As I said, if you're in your, got to move your bookmark a little bit, I guess, for Genesis. But um, so we're in Genesis chapter 14, towards the end of it, um, verses 18 through 20. We're kind of we'll hit 17 as well in the sermon, real quick, because that's the setup a little more. And so there is only one point because this is a shorter sermon, because um, we'll do this in the Lord's Supper. But you are blessed. That is that is the. The title of this, and that's really the, the gist of what this is, Melchizedek is doing for Abraham. And he's saying this because he is saying this on behalf of God, that Abraham is blessed. And so but when we say that, right, what does it mean? What does it mean when you say you're blessed? You know, or you say bless you even, right? Is it, is it just Christianese for luck? Like we don't want to say, oh, it's luck. So we just say, oh, we're blessed. You know, or, or is it because you have all the things you want or maybe people think... You have all the things, so they must be blessed. You know, because they have all these kids or cars or houses or, or, or you know, they think their life is perfect. You know, so well, they must be blessed, more blessed than me. And I wish I had those blessings, something like that. Right? Because we can easily veer off into jealousy very quickly because if we're looking, coveting our neighbor's stuff, essentially. Um, or is it just something you say after somebody sneezes, right? Gesundheit, God bless you. You know, like, because really that, that kind of started because... I mean, I guess supposedly your heart stops or they thought sneezes were caused by demons in the Middle Ages. A lot of stuff we do is from the Middle Ages, so I'm, I'm finding out as I do more history of this. But anyway, right, they thought the demons had gotten a hold of you, so they got, say, God bless you to get rid of the demon. You know, it causes you sneezing, especially if you've had a sneezing attack, you know that you may be convinced that a demon has gotten a hold of you, right? Especially around here this time of year. Or there, is there a deeper meaning when we say that we have been blessed or we say have a blessed day? It shouldn't just be something we say. You know, or when we say and realize that God has blessed me with a wife, a family, parents, friends, a job, whatever He's blessed you with in your life, talents, whatever it is. You know, we should be thankful and reflect on those blessings that we have because they've all been given to us by God. And for people who aren't believers, they've still been given things, they've been blessed by God, whether they like it or not, whether they realize it or not, whether they want to acknowledge it or not, that still happens. It's not just, you know, they, they'll, most people say, this is my hard work, I've earned these things. But there's usually somewhere in there that some door has opened that sort of supernaturally opened, you know. <clears throat> but do we think that God is blessing us even in the roughness of life? Right, and that's kind of another thing, and we're not really going to touch on it a whole lot, but it's kind of a question I want you guys to ponder a little bit. But, but do, you, do you think that God is blessing you even when things are terrible? Right? Yes, and the answer should be yes, He is, because there should be something we're learning on the other side or setting up something, right? So that's, hopefully that is a affirmative question. At least we keep that in our mind when things turn bad, that God is not necessarily punishing you. He may be, in a sense, chastening you, but at the same time, there may be a blessing in disguise in that as well. So, um, and again, that kind of goes to the places where we think we're alone or we think that God is not with us, but He always is. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, He always is. So we're going to go ahead and read Genesis chapter uh, 14. We'll start at 17 and go to 20. Just because 17, and we'll cover it again in a minute, but it, it sets it up. This is, uh, in my Bible it says, the heading is Melchizedek's Blessing. Um, and that's in the CSB. So this is what uh, Genesis says. This is after Abram returned from defeating 
uh, that guy, the king, and the kings, <laughs> and I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, the kings who were with him, the, kings, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the, in the Shava Valley, that is the king's valley. Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest to God Most High. He blessed him and said, Abram is blessed by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has handed over your enemies to you. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Right, so when we come back through this chapter in a little while, a couple, you know, probably a month or so by the time we get started with everything, we'll cover more of the, like, the details of all this stuff. Right? But um, here's what we want to know right now. So, so when, here's the main idea for this. Is, is, is When we are joined in communion with God, when you join in communion with God, you are blessed by the high priest Jesus. Right, so we're tying it back to what we're doing with, with the Lord's Supper, what we, what we just saw in John last month or so of all these things. And we just know, you know we have the sacrifice of Jesus. You know, he is the high priest. He is the sacrificial lamb also. But here we have this person, Melchizedek, who just shows up. And he blesses Abram. And so when we do this, when we take the Lord's Supper, we are in communion with him. Right? That's the other word, another word for it is communion. We are blessed by the high priest Jesus. So how are we blessed, right? Because that is the whole main, the one point is that we are blessed. So to give the background of the rest of chapter 14, Abram has just rescued Lot from the, all these kings because they went in and invaded Sodom and Gomorrah and they took over everybody. And they captured everybody who was living there in the cities. And they took them back. So Abram said, well, I've got to go rescue my nephew. Let's go get him. Because at the time, you know, he doesn't have an heir. So Lot is, at the time, most likely his heir. You know, he's a living heir for right now for any of Abraham's fortune, which he had just gotten increased by his time in Egypt when he was lying about him and Sarah or Sarai being brother and sister, right? So he takes, he, he goes in, he fights all these kings. He has this huge battle. And he goes, and he's coming back from this battle and rescuing Lot. Everybody's happy. And so in Genesis 14, 17, he said, Melchizedek meets him in this, this, this king's valley. And so the writer of Hebrews, and kind of this is from the Hebrew legend, or the Hebrew, as they go out and figure things out, Melchizedek has no origin story. He just shows up. He shows up for these three or four verses, and then he just disappears until we see it in Hebrews. And there's one or two of the Psalms, he kind of shows up around a little bit too. But he just appears, I don't know, no mention of a mother or father, which for them is a big deal. That's why we get the heritage and the lineages of everybody in the, in the Bible. Because that who you are, who are, where you can trace your life back to is important. And so this is also before Exodus. This is before the Levitical law. This is before the priesthood. But Melchizedek is referred to as the priest of the God Most High. So, again, we'll get into what that really means, but for our context, what this is meaning is, is this is reference to Yahweh. So Yahweh had other people, had other followers going on, so he is, he is the priest of God, Yahweh, you know, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Jews, and the God of Abraham. And he blesses Abraham, and he offers him bread and wine, which it's a very odd combination to stick in the Old Testament at this point. Because again, here you have, there's really seemed like before any temple rules or anything set up, here we have this person who's giving him bread and wine. Now, I, I saw a thing that somewhere in Jordan they found bread in, in a, in a, in a uh, 
it's like a fireplace. And it was like 14,000 years old. They, date, they were able to date it, figure out. But so, the, so bread has been around for a while. So it's not unusual to have bread and, of course, water turning into wine. There's lots of grapes. Water is a lot of times not safe to drink, so they would do something with it as a process to make it. But here we have these things arrayed, set up as some sort of celebration and offering for the conquering hero. But also he turned around, Melchizedek turns around and blesses Abram. And what we see Abram doing is he gives 10% of all. It's like whatever he had, whatever spoils he had, whatever money he had, he gave it part of that to, to Melchizedek. Who I don't know how he carries this out. I'm assuming he had other people with him, but I mean, Abraham had a lot of money and things like that. So Melchizedek shows up with some bread and wine. He leaves with a bunch of stuff, which is a pretty good deal if you're a priest, I guess. <clears throat> um, but Melchizedek, because he's a king, right? he's the king of Salem, which, they, which most likely refers to Jerusalem, and it's really early on iteration. So he's the king of Jerusalem, most likely. So he's a king, he's a priest of, the, of, of God. And so Abram, in this section there, there's 12 kings. If you read through chapter 14, there's 12 kings that he's fighting with or against, Abram. And the only person he recognizes or bows down or gives anything to is Melchizedek. He had all these other people probably wanting him and trying to hire him after this war and all this other stuff. He's like, nope, I'm fighting for it. I just had to get my cousin out or my, my nephew out. That's it. But here I'm going to bless Melchizedek because somehow he has said, Abraham is blessed, or Abram is blessed by God Most High. So what are blessings? Right? Because in chapter 13, God promised to give Abram land and a huge number of descendants. In chapter 15, the next chapter, God is going to promise Abram a son. And in chapter 17, it kind of gets extended a little more. So these are all blessings. So Ray Sutton describes a blessing as the promise of God through his personal presence in one's life and family. Right? It's a blessing. It's a promise of God. So God is telling you, I'm going to do something for you or your family. You know, really, because he's blessing Abraham for himself because Abraham is going to become the Israelite nation. And so blessing was the favor of God. So God and God loves to keep and make promises. Right? He loves to make promises because once he says it, it has to be done. He, it's his, one of his decrees. It's his will. So he doesn't just say, like, I'd like to paint the house today. He said, I'm going to paint the house today. So it will get done eventually. See? <clears throat> but another word for blessing is covenants. Because that's what it is. His covenants are promises. His covenants are a deal that he fulfills. Even though we don't uphold our end of the bargain, he does. Right? He promises Abraham a kid. Abraham's like, you take it too long, God. I'm going to figure out this myself. So he you know, ends up having Ishmael with Hagar. Which is the, you know, the Islam. They think that's where the, that's where the Muslims trace their lineage. And so, but Abraham, or God comes back and says, no, I have Isaac for you, right? I you to wait for this. So, but these blessings are these covenants. So the Abrahamic covenant is for his descendants to be plentiful and his seed would be the true heir that fulfills the covenant promises and rescues his people. 
Right? If there was only a way, we, how do I get these promises? Right? Why is it just for these people? Well, you do. You get to have this because Paul gives us the good news in his letter to the Galatians in chapter 3, starting in verse 23, and I have it on the board. <clears throat> Paul says, Before this faith came, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our guardian until Christ, so that, he, that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for through faith you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. And so for those of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, and since you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you, listen, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. So here we have these blessings that this deal that God made with Abram are extended to us through Christ. We are partakers of this. We are part of these blessings. And so if you are under the new covenant that is made in Christ's sacrifice and His blood, then you are an heir to the promises of Abram. You are grafted into the family and you are adopted. And so the Lord's Supper is a remembrance of the adoption when we join God's family officially. That's really what it is in a sense, right? We get to remember what He did, His sacrifice for us on the cross, and He was raised again on the third day. We're just sacrificed. You celebrated Easter last week. This week is technically uh, Orthodox Easter because of the way they count everything. So for, some, for part of the world, it's still Easter. Right? So it's important that we have this so we know this. And so we are officially adopted into the God's family because God blessed us with the re reconciliation. Right? We are made holy through Christ and each of us is no longer a sinner. You are a saint. You are forgiven for the things you did, the things you're doing today, and the things you're going to do later. Because we talked about it, you know, we talked about it on Thursday, or a couple Thursdays ago, about we still sin, but we shouldn't take any pleasure. We probably don't take any pleasure in that as we go along because we know and it should be less and less and less until it's zero. Because that's how we know we're saved. We're whatever that sweet, sweet taste of the sin was at one point now tastes bitter or vinegary and sour. And also God blesses us with a, with, a, with a proclamation. So when you take communion, you are publicly reaffirming your commitment to God. And so in a sense, you're tithing like Abraham, Abram tithed the Melchizedek. You are honoring and pledging yourself to the one king. Even though you have all these other kings in your life, People trying to get you to do stuff, take over your life, you know, recruit you to do something, one thing or another. You say, no, I am only serving Him. So if it doesn't serve God, then I probably don't necessarily need to do it. And, and, and those of you who joined the military or even thought about it or something, you know, beforehand, you know that serving a government, serving a king is not something to be taken lightly. Because you're pledging your life. It's not just a club you join and you can get out because they kick you out because you don't pay dues or something like that. You're in it. This is serious business. And so Jesus blessed the bread and the wine. He gave thanks. You know, the word Eucharist is one of those things and you're thanking. What are you thanking him for? Hey, thanks for giving me the food? No, you're thanking for the blessings. The blessings that he has given you, these blessings of re reconciliation, the, ble the blessing of proclamation. We are, we are blessed. 
by God. And so this is one way we show that we are thankful for these blessings. And so as we do the Lord's Supper, <clears throat> in remembrance of the meal that Jesus shared with His apostles, we, we should be reflecting on the blessing that God has given us, and we hope for the future blessings He will give us. And we stand before the High Priest Jesus as He does this, because He stood in for us. He went to the place we could not go. It wouldn't serve God to crucify all of us in order to pay for the debt. He had one person do it. And so as we, we're going to transition, so after I pray over the, the, the elements, um, we'll just have everybody come up and, and get your own elements. That way it's, easy, it's a little easier. Um, so let me find this spot here and leave. And then we will, I'll pray over these the elements. <clears throat> Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are here today uh, before you to do this in remembrance of you as you commanded us that, that we can be here, that we can partake of this, we can remember the blessings and we just give you thanks. That uh, this bread that represents the body, the, the, the wine, the juice that represents the, the blood of your son that was paid and spilt for us and our transgressions that we can take a moment and be thankful that, that he came and paid for our, our sin debt. And the small thing that we can do is, is pledge ourselves and pledge our lives to you, the one true king of the world. Um, and please help us live that way. Please help us proclaim the good news that other people may think they're stuck in bondage to their sin, that they don't have to be, that they could be free as well. And uh, please bless these elements as, as, as we reenact this, uh, this service. And so all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so you guys want to take time, go ahead and come up and... Oh, no. Uh, here, I I'll get some I more. Didn't, I didn't know they were in there. All That's right. all right. So we'll clean up in a second. I didn't know they were inside. So stand by. I'll, I'll clean up after. We're okay. We're very good. We're good. But you guys want to come get your... Uh, I won't move the juice thing. I don't want to spill that. <laughs> you guys, yeah, go ahead and come up and get that part now. And I'll clean all that up. 